Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company. From seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. Markets breaking down with some stocks spinning out of control. Looks like rates are overreacting, not following the data. But the talking heads are all a flutter with opinion, of course. Some practical tips on navigating through a correction. All this and much more on episode number 750 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. What a week. What a month. What a terrible start to the year. Markets and more uh, overly done to the downside, it looks, looks like. And some sectors that we've been seeing totally obliterated, just taken to the, to the tool shed and whipped, beaten, and thrown out with the trash. That's what it looks like right now. But markets were holding up so well for so long. And even though we saw many of the stocks that were, oh, the overvalued ones not doing well. Man, it was okay, right? Because markets were doing just fine. And all of a sudden, here we go, getting into the week. And things all of a sudden started to fall apart. 30 to 70% drops on names is not funny at all. We saw that in many names. Underneath what was going on. We called it the concern about the sinkhole a few different times and talked about this over the last several weeks. What do I have to say about that? Well, welcome to the correction. <laughs> I'm Andrew Horowitz, and here we are to help you through this because there's a lot of emotions, concern, and indecision, confusion that goes on right now as we are in the heart of what could be clearly called one of the great corrections that we've seen over the last two years. Let me tell you something before we begin. You need to know this. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You're going to pull through. If you don't do anything too stupid, in fact, you may actually come out way ahead and better for what's going on and much further ahead because of this experience. I mean, what am I talking about? How is that possible? Horowitz, I'm losing money. What are you saying? I got my stocks that I thought was great, and I set up my portfolio a few years ago, and I kept on adding to these positions. I even went on margin and had a great year in 2021, and that's all gone now. What I'm talking about, this experience that you're going through right now, is the obvious and apparent change, the dynamics that have now been flipped around and what we call a trend. The trend has changed. We have talked about why this is, all the different things that go into this, the excess exuberance that may have been experienced over the last year, the potential for the stimulus through the Build Back Better program to be canceled. Therefore, there's less money in the system. The talk by the Fed 
about increasing interest rates and doing much more by actually shrinking the balance sheet potentially. And countries around the world, of course, slowing down due to the fact that there is a COVID outbreak that continues. All of this is going into the psyche of investors worrying about, wait a second, how long can this market that is levitating without anything underneath it magically hold on? But we have Powell and inflation and earnings and lack of stimulus. All of this has had the markets on edge, but a lot of it didn't really impact anything until when? The start of 2022. It was a little weird how that happened so quickly. And it's only, we're only talking two and a half weeks of actual days of trading of the markets. And we're talking about already seeing that the NASDAQ is down like 10%. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Underneath that, Again, 30, 40, 50% reductions. You probably see that in your portfolio. Just look at just look at Netflix last week, down 24%. See Peloton down another 25%, 30% maybe in totality for the week. And many names that everybody thought were the darlings of the pandemic have gotten crucified. And a lot of the reason I think that we're seeing such excessive moves right now is because too much money was being thrown at the markets for a lot of different reasons. But a lot of people who are very new to the process were using these apps and these various ways of investing that, yes, gamified, but also made it so easy just to be sitting there on the toilet trading. You know who you are. You know what I'm talking about. You do it. And it was easy because no longer was there any barrier to entry. You can buy partial and you can buy partial uh, shares and do it at no cost. There was no commission. At least that's what was supposed to be the case. And it was very easy. And that ease of investing caused a lot of people to get in way over their head without an understanding like, wow, this is easy. I'm just going to invest my money right now and I'm going to make all sorts of money in the future without any ramifications, without any thought that maybe one day, someday, it could actually all turn around. Because why? I was told that markets go up forever. Now, in truth, they do. If we look back in history, going back to the beginning of time when we can actually track markets, they do go up forever. There's a couple of hiccups more than a couple. There are hiccups along the way each and every year. There's something that goes on that scares the bejesus out of people. But those that have been invested for the long haul, I'm not talking about the traders right now. I'm talking about the investors. They have been rewarded time and time again. But what really is causing some of the degradation in the markets right now, what is really a problem inside of the I would call the architecture of the stock market right now is the fact that people were truly throwing money around and into looking to get rich on some idea or another. The problem when you really break it down, here's what happened. People didn't care about their money. They didn't care. And when you don't care about something, it doesn't care about you. 
where you're just throwing it in there like, ah, what the hell? Let's see what could do. I'm going to think that this idea that somebody's talking about is going to be great. And you know what? Uh, you know, if I lose it, what the hell? Wow. Wow. Huh? How does that work? But it is that simple. If you don't care about your money, it's not going to care about you. Not that money has emotions. Not that your investments really care about you. No, of course not. But as too much money was thrown in without a care about what the fundamentals were, that's being rectified. That's being rectified. However, you have to stop and think for a moment. How much is too much? So there are two sides to that. This overshoot. The overshoot is a big issue when you look at investing because emotions are a big part of this, whether we like it or not. It's very difficult to separate your emotions from your money. Some people could do it really well. Others can't. Maybe you're one of them. I don't know. Even professionally, it's sometimes very difficult to separate all that. But right now, what it looks like, this overshoot that's happening, particularly with the NASDAQ and many names underneath the NASDAQ, is we're seeing this kitchen sink approach that is going on. Now, you want to blame it on active investors or passive investors. You want to blame it on index funds and the ability to trade in and out so quickly utilizing ETFs and the problems that go on there. The issues that with the snap of a finger and no commission, you can buy and sell ABC index fund that controls a whole swath of investments, thereby a lot of people doing it will take everything down that's in that portfolio, whether or not it's deservingly or not, or the opposite, of course, the opposite of just simply buying and then everything goes up and levitates without any understanding of what's actually inside that portfolio. We're not going to belabor the point and talk about how badly ARK has done this year. It's bad. We know that. We know that it's really, really bad. The fact of the matter is that right now what we're finding and what we're seeing in the markets is a situation where there is a lot of passive investing through ETFs that is causing a lot of movement. However, there's a lot of other things going on. This baby with the bathwater mentality that let's just throw it all away. If in fact the company doesn't have great earnings right now, and even if they have a path to profitability, and even if it's a good company with a good outlook that we saw maybe three, four, five months ago, now, because there's an increase coming in interest rates, and now, because it may be a little bit harder to get money due to liquidity shortages, that the Fed's not buying the bonds, and now, all of a sudden, when we see a situation that the, the economy is maybe leveling off without stimulus, you know what, the hell with it, throw them out. I don't need it. I don't want it. Get rid of the stock at any price. I think there's a lot of that going on right now. Yeah, it's a terrible market right now. It's a tough, tough situation at both ends. And we're seeing this overshoot that occurred. If you look at any charts and price patterns over the last, eh, I'll say six months on a daily basis, and you look at these really big peaks and these drawdowns, a lot of head and shoulders patterns out there. But put that aside, let's not talk about the technicals. Let's talk about the reality, big picture of what's going on. And that big picture is very simple. And it is this, that there is a substantial amount of overshoot that is going on that is rectifying the overshoot that went on. What we saw was that people got giddy. They got 
exuberant. And they just kept on buying. And when we see that happen, it's very tough to get ahead of it in any direction. It draws in people. It draws in the crowd. And as the crowd is being drawn in, you know what that brings in? You know what crowds bring in? Other crowds. It's a great way to continue building a crowd is just by having a crowd. You know how that is. Old trick in the restaurant business is very simple. It is to make sure that a lot of cars are parked out front and that will draw in people. Not until they find out there's nobody actually in your restaurant. But nonetheless, it is a way to bring people. And no wonder why there are hawkers that are outside stores or carnivals. They bring in people. And the idea, what we saw was the crowds and the idea that, well, maybe the wisdom of the crowds will prevail here. That did bring a lot of people and a lot of people got sucked in. Those same people are being thrown out right now saying, oh my God, what did I do? What mistake did I make? Oh, and they're throwing things away. And that's where opportunities lie. Now, I'm talking about this because I think it's really important right now to consider where we are in the cycle, as, as well as the emotional positioning that we need to really deal with. And that is very simple. That right now we are in the top end and the end innings of an economic cycle that probably isn't over just yet. We have earnings season coming out next week, and that's going to be a, an important issue. The banks came out last week. They did pretty good, in my opinion, the big banks. I didn't really have a problem with that. And as interest rates are a little bit higher than they were last quarter when they reported, and where we think that it'll be a little sticky, maybe not continuing as high and as fast and as you know, the same trajectory as we're seeing right now, but there is the, the reality that what we are seeing right now is a good opportunity for some of these banks. This kind of environment was made for them. And then we're seeing the other side of it when people bought what they thought was really cool. What am I going to do? Netflix and chill. Hey, what else am I going to do? I'm going to play games, get stoned all day, and collect unemployment. And you know what? I love that gaming company. I'm going to buy that. Or, you know, hey, uh, you know what? I'm not going to buy a car. I'll Uber and I'll buy that. I mean, just think about all the different things that are actually involved in the pandemic and what people did and how their thought process changed with the idea and the backdrop of, you know, I could drop dead any day for now. This thing can get me. Let me just live my life the way I want to live it. And you know what? I'm not going to work. I'm going to drop out of the workforce. I'm going to play some games. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start my own business. And all the things that go into that for a lot of people and why a lot of people turn to the stock market, they're like, what the hell? You know what? I might as well start investing at this point. And who cares about the risk? Because we don't know what the future holds. That's the mistake right there. We don't know what the future holds. Yes, we do. Now, we don't know if someone's going to get sick and their life is going to end early or anything. But generally speaking, when we look at it on average, we know what life is all about. We know what you have to do. You have to work hard. You have to You have to either invent something, you have to work somewhere or own something, you have to build something, you have to work somewhere and climb the ladder. However that becomes your reality, you need to save. Why? Because of the future that is out there. We're going to talk about that in a second. Because I think that is where the mistake was made. Because people were thinking, hey, there's no future. Pandemic, end of the road. 
All life stops now. So who cares? Well, not you, because you've been listening here. You are disciplined. You are a much different breed. And I hope a lot of the things we talked about with the guests and myself over the last however long, maybe you bought the audiobook, The Disciplined Investor, of course, available on uh, on audible.com. Maybe you've just been listening to this and DH Unplugged and, or, and, and, and other podcasts to give you some insights and you understand what this is all about. It's not all about, well, just throw it in there. Let's see what happens. There's a lot of things and a lot of tools and a lot of ideas that we come up with. And we talk about economics, which I'm going to go through in a second, what's coming up. We talk about the things about technicals. We talk about fundamentals. We talk about what the Fed is doing, what the laws are doing. Changing Those are all big components, informational to set the stage for a much big, bigger picture discussion, right? But we all know at the end of this this discussion is also that we need to be invested in something that is consistent with our risk tolerance, our sleep at night factor, how long we have in the future to live because we need to rely on ourselves unless you have a really big inheritance to actually provide for our family and ourselves in the future. So here we are right now in a situation where we are about to get even further into earnings season, a time when there is question about what the Fed is going to do, which I think they're going to back off this idea of four to five increases in 2021 is hogwash. 22. Did I say 21? 22. I'm still not there. Still not saying 22 all the time. 2022, five rate hikes, stupid. The idea that Goldman and these guys are talking about that, I don't know what their end cycle in this is and what their purpose is of, of trying to scare people because that's what they're doing. I would see three, maybe this 150 basis points, maybe a total of 1% increase. So if you want to do 25 basis points, more probable. However, I think that the very notion of what they're doing right now about talking up the idea of actually raising rates has caused for a significant tightening in financial conditions already. And that is that that is exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to do that and they've accomplished it. They wanted to get the markets, in particular the bond markets, satisfied with what they were going to be doing, get them ready and prepared so there's no shock to the system. That shock to the system has been pretty much eliminated right now because we know what they're doing. However, however, if the economics start to roll off, if we see that there is financial instability that builds not only here but around the world and financial conditions tighten in such a way that they become significantly overdone, they will back off. They're not stupid. Well, I don't think they know what they're doing necessarily, but they're not stupid to the point that they're going to allow for markets to cave in and just absolutely get blown out. They will come in. And there's a lot of things that are involved with the politics of what they're doing right now, trying to balance the mistake that they already made with another mistake, in my opinion, of how they're approaching this. But that's something that we put into perspective and think about longer term of, okay, we're getting ourselves out of this position. Okay, we'll put that as one item. What else do we got? Well, we have a 
short-term situation where we're seeing some oversold readings that are on the key reversal indicator. Hit on Friday of a negative four, negative five, negative six is a lot worse. Don't see those a lot, but you do see those. When you start seeing a negative four, when there's still liquidity out there, hmm, reversals are an interesting part of that. And I think that what we've seen on on during the week and, in fact, on Friday, I think the big issue there is, is all about this idea that, you know, we hit it hard going into options X. I got to talk about that. I got I to talk about options X. We hit it hard um, when we look at the technical indicators and we look at where we have to bounce. The S&P 500 did bounce right on. Just look at this. Go, go, go get a chart. Almost to the penny on the 50-day, uh, excuse me, the 200-day moving average. Sliced right through the 50. But on Friday, hit the 50-day. Uh, All right, let me start again. Sliced through the 50-day moving average this week. On Friday, bounced its 200-day moving average. That is something that a lot of institutions look at. And the the uh, NASDAQ is right through, just squirted right down through the 200-day uh, moving average. That was a big issue. And what we're seeing is a lot of oversold and people just, again, as I started off with throwing the baby out with the bathwater that is going, I think, to be resolved and provide for great opportunities. Now, sometimes you don't really move on these things. You just kind of hold on. Do not sell into the good positions that you may have that you believe in. If there's some crap around the edges on your portfolio, okay, you can trim. If there's some things that you're not so confident in for one reason or another, not necessarily just about price, but also about fundamentals, management, et cetera, okay. But what we see here is that this, this line in the sand on technicals is being respected to a degree, especially for the big names. Really interesting move on Friday. I talked about this on Friday morning. On Friday mornings at 9 o'clock, I have a group that we talk about technicals. I do a Zoom meeting and talk about technical analysis, specifically only about that. Very refined about what's going on. I talked about Friday morning about the potential for a drop in the morning, very substantial, and then a reversal kind of a mirror image upside down and backwards of what we saw on Wednesday and Thursday of last week. Because when you look at what market mentality is all about and how things operate right now, as we are going into the options expiration, we've talked about this on DH Unplugged. We spoke about this a few times. It's not a guarantee. It's not an absolute. But man, have you seen and looked at market action from about the 10th of the month until the 20th, give or take a couple of days, depending on where that options expiration is, there is some really weird moves to the downside on options expiration day, the third Friday of the month. And we saw it again here, Friday, the 21st. We saw that move directly down. And if, in fact, the pattern holds, which I can't imagine this is always going to be the case, but, you know, you need to understand that that caveat. We'd see a rebound into next week. And setting up perfectly, as I talked about last week, that we're starting to set up really well for the earnings season when it comes to, to technology. Earnings on tap next week. We have more financials, a bit of tech starting to trickle in. The industrials are also going to report. And this is giving us a good read on what's going on with the economy because everything right now, I think, is not about what 
a company has done, but what they're going to do. And this is why Netflix did so poorly. Netflix had a great number. Their outlook was horrible. The outlook is what drove the stock so substantially because people like, oh, wait a second. While they may be sandbagging, uh, you know, I'm really not happy about holding a stock into a period where we're having higher interest rates. We're not giving them the pass. Stocks were given a pass time and time and time again. That's not happening. So right now where we are is in a bit of a interesting time. For those of you that are long-term, it may be a thought to start adding to some positions on this weakness. We did this last week for clients. We have the dollar cost averaging program that includes an opportunistic buying program through our portfolios, particularly through the global allocations. And we do that to bring people into the markets that have been out for a while and thinking that they can't ever get back in. How do I do it? We've talked about this. Well, last week, we made those strategic buy points on specific sectors that we thought, hey, you know what? If you look at history and look at where we are and the outlook for where we're going, it makes sense at these prices to start putting a little bit more money to work at these levels. Because when you look in totality of what we're seeing right now, this shock that started with the Fed, rates are a lot lower over the last few days. The news about possibly a war with Russia and Ukraine and us holding the backs of these guys, they're going to they're gonna cool the pot, I think. It's not going to really boil over. There's no way that really we're going to want to get into a conflict with Russia. It doesn't, it, there's no logic there. But we have less stimulus, but we still have stimulus in the markets. We still have stimulus, but there's less stimulus. Again, this is an important consideration because rates, while they may be going up in the future, and even if they do go up by the end of the year to 1%, they're still at 1%. It's still 1%. That's nothing. Think about that. 1%. That's almost emergency levels right there. And when you look at how earnings are going, and you look at the opportunities, and you look that there are differences around the world. Listen, China lowered key rates this week. That's something. The UK is raising. The EU is saying, you know, uh, we're going to hold off for a little while longer. Big issues going on and divergences. Where would you want to be? Well, do you want to be a little bit slanted towards emerging markets in your diversified portfolios? Do you want to say, you know what? Uh, I think that maybe the the valuations in, let's call it the U.S., let's make it just an easy discussion. The U.S. are a little bit top-heavy right now. Maybe you're working on that for a while. I'm going to rotate it. Where am I going to go? Foreign markets on equities, non-U.S. developed and emerging, have much better valuations. This is, by the way, going on a couple of years now. The valuation side of the argument was always bending towards foreign and emerging. Yet, the valuation proposition got even more outrageous as the markets last year went up 25% in the U.S. Moving up price-earnings ratios, multiples to levels that were absurd. 
thereby making the potential for a reversion to the mean and moreover, the opportunity for investing in uh, other places that have better valuations, much more appealing. Are you making those kinds of moves or have you already done that in your portfolio? How many of you have no exposure to emerging markets or developed uh, foreign international? If China is actually going to be reducing rates, doesn't that mean there'll be more of a flood of money into the economies in Asia potentially? Doesn't it mean that's actually good for some of the tech companies that have been eviscerated? Their prices have just been absolutely just, they're done. And look at the opportunities if, in fact, they're going to be reducing rates. Very interesting. But there's still stimulus here. The Fed is slowing down. They're potentially going to be slowing down their bond purchases. And maybe, just maybe, they're going to be shrinking their balance sheets. But, you know, they're not that stupid to, to, to raise rates to a point where it makes the debt payable on U.S. treasuries so high that it puts a dent in the government's spending and debt repayment. That would slow the economy even further. So now we have a multitude of issues that the Fed is really contending with. And yeah, they are a big fulcrum point when it comes to markets right now because they are the ones that really hold a lot of the, the money flow. So I think that's really interesting. Then we have earnings coming out next week. That's something of importance, right? We talk about that. And I think the next weeks, over the next two weeks, I think we may have some positive surprises on names that have been really thrown out with the bathwater. The baby with the bathwater. I think that's an important issue that we need to contend with and consider looking at your portfolio and find those companies that are really strong, have great futures, and were they just sold just to be sold? Next week, on top of uh, the earnings, we have some important economics that are coming up. Monday, we have the uh, IHS Market Manufacturing PMI. On Tuesday, we have the Case-Shiller Home Price Index and Consumer Confidence. We saw a big rise in the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, about 18% up. I would expect that we're going to see that start to slide a bit as interest rates start moving up. There was a fair amount of new mortgage applications that were required or requested or applied for. Last week, as interest rates are going up, people are panicking, saying, I better get that. And I think they're panicking also, saying, I better get that house at these lower rates while I can. On Wednesday, we have the MBA Mortgage Applications Index. Again, we have the uh, retail inventories in advance, new home sales, FOMC rate decision on uh, Wednesday at 2 o'clock. And Thursday, we have the advanced GDP for quarter four. Uh, last quarter was 2.3%. Durable goods orders, transportation, uh, durable goods, transportation. We also have pending home sales as well. On Friday, personal income, personal spending. Important, we're going to see PCE prices. These are the personal consumption expenditures that the Fed likes to look at as their inflation number. Very important. University of Michigan consumer sentiment final also going to be for January. Last read was 68, a little bit light and a little bit lighter than we've seen before. But this is important this week. We have the GDP coming out for fourth quarter. 
We have durable goods. Okay, we have an FOMC decision. Big number. Big, big, big. Very important on Wednesday. And Friday, we have the PCE numbers coming out, which is also important. Oil is also going to be a big issue. Big build last week, by the way. We saw the price came down a bit, but not so much to make us anywhere near where we probably should be with the future where it is. Oil is something that we're looking at and um, considering on the short side as another overshoot of where it was, looking at both the oil and some of the, the, the stocks in that sector. We think they'll probably have a good quarter, uh, maybe ahead of us, but uh, that's about it. The reality is that while demand is there, it's still questionable. And there's big demand globally. There's no question about that. But I, I, I think that that is going to be a short-lived phenomena. All right, let's, let's follow up on last week's discussion. We had a good discussion with Frank Curzio. We talked about technology and CES. We talked about some of the really cool things that are coming out and that will be available, some of the things that we're seeing out there. But I really want to twist that and combine that discussion about these great opportunities and things that are happening and what we're looking at and what we've just been talking about. So tech and the future. Because there's so many... I would say miraculous things, wonderful things happening in the world. There's no question about that. And I'm not being like ultra bullish. I'm not looking at this just myopically. I think there's a lot of really fine things happening out there. Some bad too, of course, but I'm talking in the world of, in, of, of, of from the aspect of advancement. Advancement. The advancement of systems, of technology that can get us from here to there. Now, it doesn't happen in a day. There's no question that we have to be patient. You know, work through the process. Some companies were, will come up with something that looks like, wow, that's going to solve that problem and fail miserably. And there's other companies that are going to creep along and finally find a solution to whatever that is and really that advancement that we want to have in the future. You're not going to be able to find in these companies, the absolute bottom of the perfect time to buy some of these that have the opportunity to help us moving forward in these kind of environments that we have right now, probably never will you be able to spot that with even within a 50 cent range of a stock that maybe has a great opportunity in the future that's in a free fall right now. But why don't you start thinking about those positions and your future? And, and I've discussed this rough time in the markets and how you have to keep care of your money. And I want you to think about for a moment, all the wonderful things that are happening where we are right now in this market condition. And I want you to think about yourself and your investment. Seriously, we are going to take a moment together. We're going to take a moment to breathe We're going to take a moment to inhale and exhale. Seriously, if you want, you could stop your run, your walk for a second, your exercise. Maybe for some people you want to close your eyes because I want you to envision something. I want you to just relax and put everything out of your thought process, all the things that we're talking about. I'm slowing my speech pattern down. And I want to ask you to think about what is the purpose of your investments? I'm not kidding. Why are you investing 
your money. It is something to think about whether for you it's a game, maybe it's entertainment. For others, maybe it's for the income now. Even for other people, it could be for their future somewhere down the road. Your answer is your answer. And you may have not just one answer, maybe a combination of discussion there. There's no wrong or right. However, whatever you have in your mind right now about the purpose of your investments, there is a right and wrong if the purpose and reaction to what markets do are not aligned. Okay, so what do I mean by that? If we have a situation where you are a long-term investor and you have stocks and funds and ETFs and a portfolio aligned in a way that you believe will be right for you long-term and all of a sudden comes along a correction and you panic and you can't stop thinking about it and you're freaking out and you decide to call up your broker or you're deciding to sell this position or that because I can't take it anymore, but you really believe in that, but you know what? I know it's for my future, but right now I can't deal with it. What are you doing? If you're in it for entertainment, then it's a game. But let's say you are not that person. Let's say you have a longer time frame than someone who's dealing with this from their lunch hour from 12 to 1. Somebody who is looking at this, that this is going to be used for my future, my family's future. What are you supposed to do in these kinds of circumstances? Well, there's not any good answer that is absolute. In some circumstances, yes, you should be looking at cutting positioning down if you're over leveraged or over allocated in a particular area that maybe you got ahead of yourself and that happens sometimes. Maybe there's a major outlook change over the future that shows that this is just not right and is not going to do the right thing. There's a better opportunity of the next midterm one to two years in X. Like I said, maybe in emerging markets or foreign markets over some areas of the U.S. equity market. But if you are the person that is looking out for your future, what does one day, even one week or one month, have to do with anything at all? In fact, now that I think about it, if you're investing for something in the future and your portfolio is well thought out, what does today's market action have to do with anything at all, except for the understanding that from time to time and on a regular basis, a rebalancing and a review of the portfolio positioning has to be done. The idea that stocks will be an investment over the long haul, I'm not talking about trading here. I'm not talking about uh, hedging. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about core positioning. Core positioning. Much different than another discussion we have. There's two sides to how you invest, right? On one hand, maybe you want to be in an alt and you want to deal with the fact that you have minimum or maximum investment at any given time. You have uh, swing trades that go on, maybe some hedging. I don't know, whatever's going on. And then there's also that other portfolio that's your core, your 401k that you're going to allow to sit because you have 10, 15, 20 years. And how are you going to invest to optimize that? That's what I'm talking about. If you are aligned 
with your portfolio and your outlook, probably one of the best things to be doing was to be buying more of the things that you liked as markets were cracking. I received a phone call on Friday. Oh, remind me, I don't know where this came up. I just remember this weekend, uh, we're about to go into the chili cook-off and I have an entry. So I'll, I'll tell you on Twitter, follow me, Andrew Horowitz, one word, Andrew Horowitz. I will tell you the results and pictures of the chili cook-off with my secret ingredients that some of you uh, helped to uh, spark some ideas when I, when I requested that. I received a phone call on Friday from a client and they said, hey, I bet you're getting a lot of calls about the markets right now. And I said, no, uh, not really. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, you're the first. I'm not kidding. And uh, the conversation kind of went into quick discussion of the markets. And then that was it. And it was more of an update on their personal situation, what they're doing and where they're going, the vacations and all that. If you are aligned with where you should be with regard to your portfolio, whatever that is, the longer term portfolio I'm talking about, then you should have probably be looking for opportunities as markets were really getting blasted. You would have noticed that there were really some sketchy moves that were going on last week, these outsized moves that didn't really make a lot of sense. And there's probably bargains that were able to be had with the names that you really like or the sectors or a particular market. Discipline, right? Discipline. We look for the opportunities. Overshoots that are going to happen along the way when markets move too much in one direction or the other are going to happen. And I think some of that is happening right now to a degree. One of the things that's happening is we have very immature money that's in the markets now. They have no idea what they're doing. They panic in, they panic out. They end up losing money. You've been listening to me and the guests that we bring on to help you attain that discipline for a long time now, I hope for a long time, and a long time to come. So now what I want to do is support you. I want to support you. I want to back you. I got your back. With what's going on with the markets now and realizing that you need to stay aligned with what your goals are. If you can't do it by yourself, bring somebody else in to help you out. Right now, I'm just a voice in your ears telling you that. You maybe need somebody to actually hold your hands and make sure that you do the right things, whether it's an advisor or someone you know, usually an outside third party that has no ax to grind and no emotional interaction with you is probably a better way to go. But now of all times, it's really important to recognize that you need to stay with your outlook, outlook and stop watching every single tick by tick by tick. going to get you crazy. Look, you, all, you, you remember all the things that we've learned. You, you, why are clients not calling me, freaking out? Because their portfolios are aligned correctly with who they are and what they want from their investments. That seems logical to me. I don't know if there's any other reason the phones work, the emails work, the texts work. Why is it? And ask yourself, why are you panicking? Why are you making bad decisions if that's what's going on? Why are you not doing what you think? You know, market's coming down 8%, 10%. 
and I can find some stocks that are down 30, 40% that I kind of like here. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, I'm not going to put a lot in right now. I could always stop out of a position that maybe isn't working for some reason. But if I think there is a dislocation in what's going on, maybe that's something that you should really be thinking about. We have the discipline. We have the alignment. We have the knowledge. We have the understanding. We need to use that. You need to commit to using that and making sure you're doing the right things with your portfolio. My goal this week was really to give you some information about what's going on with the markets, but more so to give you the, the confidence to make the right decisions for the right reasons moving forward. We're in a new year, a new dynamic, a new market condition. I think that right now is a really great time to, to really figure out what it is that you want to do. And you're probably doing a great job. I get your emails. By the way, go over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com and click on the Ask Andrew. Send me your comments. Send me your thoughts. If you're having issues and problems, you want to vent a little bit, ah, that's fine. Send it on over. We'll take a look. We'll listen to it. I'll read it. I'll write you back. We'll commiserate together. We'll find a way to fix it. We'll find a way to fix it. On that, going to the chili cook-off coming up. We got a little boil going on right now. Pick that up, put it in the pot. Let's get it going. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next week and every week on the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.